So hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sideload, the technology podcast from Edelman London, where we talk about everything to do with tech and how it's impacting the way we communicate our relationships with brands and each other and society. Now, for those that have listened to um, a few episodes, you know that one of the things we do is we, we focus on the themes, we focus on the issues and not so much the people, but we're going to throw that out the door today and we're actually going to talk, surprisingly, to people about themselves. Uh, and that's all about why would anyone want to go into two technology communications and we're going to talk about experiences and university and all that kind of stuff and what we used to do back in the day. So really exciting stuff. Now, the, those people that I mentioned that we're going to be speaking with are Amy Holbert and Jed Just. Um, two, are you guys recent additions to the tech team now? Fairly. Yeah, fairly Flying recent. Flying by, but yeah, yeah, fairly recent. Came through the um, grad scheme, which has now changed to what we're calling the beta program. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But also really excited to have Matt Hurst here, the Chief Operating Officer for Edelman UK and Ireland. Matt, thanks for your time. No worries. And so you'll be talking about, you know, what it is that we're doing and why and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but I guess the first thing that we want to do is we want to turn to Imi and Jed as young, fresh-faced people and just go, <laughs> why in the world would you want to go into technology communications? Like, wh- why are you here, Jed? Why would you submit yourself to this <laughs> That madness? is a good question. Um, I'd always been super interested in technology since I was quite young. And then before I came to Edelman, I worked for a technology consultancy. So I'd always been really interested in the technical side of things there. I studied around business and marketing at uni. And then kind of in the run-up to when I applied to Edelman was this kind of, not epiphany necessarily, but this kind of like newfound interest in um, more about the stories that were being told around technology or how brands would um, go to markets in a different way. And I think the Edelman uh, grad scheme as it was then was a really great way for me to kind of discover Edelman's tech practice but get a kind of wider um, view of the agency in the different practice areas. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. You mean probably yourself? So I was a bit different to Jed in the sense that I didn't come with like a preconceived idea of well where I wanted to be. I, tech wasn't kind of the first on my list and um, I kind of did all the rotations and kind of took, took each one as it came and for me the reason that I chose tech was because I really liked the stories that kind of come out of it and the way you communicate not just about the technology but how people are harnessing the technology and how they're using it to benefit you know sectors like say finance for example or health or education and those are the kind of that communication and those kind of stories were the things that really spoke to me because they were so seemed so relevant to society and you know, it's kind of infiltrating every aspect of society, and I really liked that it was so kind of diverse a like topic to communicate to people. I love that you guys have like such a well-formed idea of like why you want to be here. Like somebody like myself, you just kind of <laughs> fell into it. Um, that's really really great. So Matt Hurst, I know you were prior to your role here, you were the MD of tech. How did you arrive at that part? Um, so I was uh, a bright young thing, believe it or not. Um, I'm not so much now. And um, at that time, I left Leeds and wanted to join a um, big agency in London. And the opportunity was to join Weber Shamwick. And I joined the technology team there. Um, why technology? I think for me, it's this interesting question you continue to have to ask yourself, which is, what is the place of the human in the world and what is its relation into stuff that is not human so what is this weird interaction between people and stuff 
and um, what is the force for good? What are the unintended outcomes of technologies? Which is also the really interesting questions that people have to think about because you can think that technologies will have certain types of impact, but actually it can be far more complex and it really, really um, is, is different in different places. So I find that really interesting and that was one of the things that kind of took me into technology communications to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so let's stay with you for a second, Matt. How have you seen, because I know uh, you are quite involved with what we are doing day to day, uh, which, is, which is fantastic. How have you seen um, things change over the last couple of years or even the last 12 months um, space if at all um, well I think uh, some really interesting things are happening uh, companies that wouldn't have described themselves as particularly technology companies are thinking in terms of themselves increasingly as that so the DNA of what a technology firm has historically been which is this disruptive force this kind of questioning force the startup thing you see a lot of more co other companies in financial services, all sorts of territories, trying to bring some of that into themselves. Um, and by very nature of forces like digital transformation, they're having to ask big questions of what is their business model? What are their people for? Who does what? Um, and so sort of things that are perhaps preoccupied technology companies are now very much the questions that boardrooms in other sorts of fields have to really entertain. And suddenly, because of the way that consumers want to interact with those brands, want to access services, stakeholders want to interact, you have to start thinking of yourselves almost like a technology company. Um, and so that is, I think, a really big change that's happened um, and, and, and moving things forward for a lot of companies today. So Jed and Emi, I'm going to throw to you guys now. Thinking back to uni, which is uh, university, um, which is not as far away as it is for maybe myself or, or, or Matt. What kind of stuff were you guys being taught and how has that changed once you actually get inside the building? You know, is it is it the same? Is it different? Are they hitting the right hitting the right marks? What do you, what do you guys think? I don't think any course syllabuses or course materials now are able to, especially whether it's technology or with comms, to keep up by the time that the year's finished, right? So I was doing modules around kind of like digital marketing and um, <clears throat> even did a PR module and the kind of stuff that we learned in that was not the kind of world that I experienced when I mm. joined the industry. So I think obviously the textbooks become quickly outdated almost, but when it's something as sort of rapidly changing as digital marketing, I mean, we didn't even have stuff like Snapchat and that kind of course. You know, it's this whole, mm. the trend's already changed by the time by the time it comes to kind of really get into depth around it. Yeah, I'd, I mean, my degree wasn't um, PR based at all. I actually did a history degree, so nothing relevant on that right. front. But in terms of kind of forming an understanding of the industry, like through doing work experience and the change, that, the changes from then until like coming into this practice, I think have been really significant. And I think it's really important that we kind of stay on top of trends and there's this kind of whole idea about you know having a growth mindset and mm -hmm. continuing to learn throughout your your daily life and we do a lot in tech with tools and making sure that we're kind of speeding up processes and working in the most efficient and effective way and I think that there's the change is so rapid and as you were saying um, Matt about how companies are kind of noticing this now who aren't necessarily within the tech sphere um, I think it's really important that we kind of keep a, a beat on that 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's an interesting challenge because I remember I did public relations at university and I think even back then, and this was 2002, I think there felt like quite a gap between what I learned, the world of what I learned in academia, and I did lots of work experience, but then the practical experience. So I think there's always been a bit of a gap. I think kind of what you're both talking about is almost an acceleration of that gap because of the pace of change, because of the reality of business. And I think that is a very big question that kind of academia faces as they look to train people in certain mm-hmm. things. Um, just the pace and how do you ensure that you are truly cutting edge in what you're training people to think about. That is a challenge. Which I think is a nice segue to talk about things that are happening or things that are being done a little bit differently at the moment. So um, Jed and Amy came from the grad scheme, which is, um, as, as, as they mentioned, like a rotation through the different teams and it's about feeding it from different universities. But now that's evolved. Um, and it's now called the, the beta program, I think we're calling it. Um, Matt, can you just give us maybe just a quick overview of what, what that is and why we're taking that approach? So the beta program essentially is something that is open to anyone. So the graduate scheme, the clues in the name is for people who have been to university. Beta is open to anyone over the age of 16. So that could be someone who's looking to change careers, so they've perhaps tested something, but they want to come into communications um, and the marketing space. It could be someone who hasn't gone to university. It could be someone who um, doesn't want to do A-levels, but wants to come straight into the workforce. Um, so it's a mu- the theory is it's a, it's a broader, broader entry point into the organisation. I guess the question is why, and this is, I think, um, a big challenge facing the whole of communications and marketing um, in that we need to have diversity of thought Um, you have to have that to help clients really crack their challenges Um, and you know I think I include myself in this if you look at the communications and marketing industry there isn't great diversity we know that that's been a that's been a challenge for a while and I think particularly that kind of m25 bubble phenomena you have most marketing communications agencies within the M25. Um, and so that creates a particular view of the world. Um, and you know that is a big problem that we as an industry have to fix and address. And so for us, Beta is one example of trying to do that as an agency. And I know a lot of agencies are, are kind of worrying away about this and they should be. So I love this idea of diverse skills and bringing all these different disciplines because as we say you know the technology space is changing itself and companies that wouldn't necessarily call themselves tech companies a couple of years ago now are so on and so forth um jen and Amy, you guys had an amazing experience to work with a lot of different other teams uh, what do you bring from uh, a brand team or a planning team or insights and like how do you take all that knowledge and throw it into this mix and then spit out some amazing tech consultancyness? Like what, 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 Very technical terms that yeah, we're going with. This is how we roll. This is how we roll. But um, yeah, I mean, what, what do you, what did you cherry pick from some, maybe some of those other teams for people that might be thinking, hey, you know, that might actually be the way to go. I um, really enjoyed my time in the planning department. Um, so they kind of focus on business strategy and looking at kind of um, consumer behaviour, looking at um, kind of statistics and drawing insights out of them which really kind of pinpoint where a business needs to go and the kind of work or the kind of message that they need to portray and as I said before because I kind of have a history background my I really enjoy research and analysis and I think some of the work that kind of comes out of 
really thinking about you know behavioral analytics and things like that and it it really means that we're doing smart work we're not just kind of putting our finger in the air and thinking hey that might be a really cool thing to do we're actually kind of pinpointing you know where's the white space kind of what are other companies talking about what do we need to like break through because I think sometimes especially in our industry there's kind of a mass of kind of there's a clutter really of communications going out and like how are people gonna really how are we gonna break through that and I think through kind of really researching and coming up with insights that truly have a business impact I think that's really important and that's something that I took from our time on the grad scheme and I've tried to employ that in the way that I work within the tech practice. Yeah I think similarly a lot of I think one of the main benefits that you do get from the scheme is the kind of depth to which you see things across the agency. Obviously Edelman, as you, in terms of scale, is quite a big agency. We have a number of uh, very distinct practices, and I think it's really interesting to actually go through and rotate, rotate throughout the agency and get an understanding for the different kind of way of life or the different nuances in the way that these teams work, but also seeing the way that we collaborate with some clients. So we might have clients that don't just sit within sit within tech or just within consumer brand obviously you've got you know clients now that are matchups between tech and health tech and pa so there's a lot of these kind of inter agency workings to kind of best serve the client and i think when you've been through and seen both sides of it you start to get a better appreciation for the extent to which it really is collaborative work and you realize there are a lot of people here that have such specific skill sets or areas of expertise and the way that they can be pulled together to really, like Kimmy said, break through the clutter or do things in a, in a really different way. Yeah, and I think that's like something, like we obviously speak with the beaters and we kind of give them up like how we found things. Obviously it's a different scheme for them, but um, I think like one of the things with the beater scheme is that because it's experience led, you do, they do a lot more rotations than we did and a, a lot more of the focus is cross practice which I think is really good because we kind of saw that beginnings of cross practice, um, you know, like with health and tech or um, the finance team and tech. Um, and the fact that the beaters get to work on those projects is really interesting because they kind of get to see it from both sides as well. So when, so when you're, because uh, I, I see you guys having breakfast in the morning or lunch and stuff, which is, which is <laughs> great. Um, when you're speaking with those guys, what advice are you giving them? What tips are you giving them? And are you thinking back on, that experience of something you did and it's like, oh, I wish I did that differently or I wish I hadn't done that or, you know, what, what do you... What, what got do you, a few of those. What do you <laughs> got a, got one or two. Um, I think the main thing that I said from the beginning it was like, don't come into this thinking you're going to know what it is. And, you know, by the end of the rotations is that, again, because it's such a constantly changing field and constantly changing kind of um, industry and even agency, I think it's not this thing where you arrive and you are waiting to sort of like tick a box and say like yes I know this or I've done this I think yeah take it with you learn from it and you know of course it, it does form a kind of skill set or portfolio but it's very much about keeping that kind of adaptability and reflexivity mm -hmm. internally and when kind of going out to the media or going out to clients as well so I think that's the main thing especially on a kind of rotational scheme is to just be hungry and keep going yeah. for it yeah I think one of the things as well that I kind of said to them and this is very true to me was the sense of like don't get too focused on which department you want 
focus on kind of what skills and what areas you really enjoy and in that sense you can kind of groove a kind of path of like what kind of things you really like to do so for me it was kind of that research and analysis and um, you know looking at business strategy was a really important factor for me and that meant when I went into different teams I could really be hungry for that kind of work obviously you want to do a broad spectrum of things because you want to be a generalist as well as a specialist but I think instead of focusing specifically on oh I'm this kind of team and this is the team I should be in just kind of take it all as like a broad learning experience of where your skill set lies and I mean it's, a, it's an interesting thing because I mean I spent time with the beaters and I, I don't know I don't know if this is true but my perception is that people coming into this kind of industry today feel under probably quite an, an amazing amount of pressure to have a sense of clarity around themselves and what they're going to go for um, it's almost an ambition and the societal backdrop of kind of you know people do well when they know exactly what they're about um, and my kind of message to them was and I'm, I don't know if that's something you identify with this this kind of job this kind of career is about going around the track I mean I have an athletics kind of metaphor you just have to go around the track a few times you've got to take the pressure off you've got to explore as you've just both said but there's something about this in terms of being credible with clients which there's no shortcut you've just got to allow yourself the time to go around the track a few times and just build up the experience but I think this pressure of kind of absolute clarity it's almost like the vlogger analogy you know people who seem to have just got absolute clarity around what they're for and what they're speaking about it could I, I just wonder if it freaks people out I mean is that something you both identify with or am I yeah am no, I, wrong? I, I, I don't know I think and part of it as well I think links to the diversity point earlier is that I I think there's a real importance now to come in and kind of own that diversity whether it's who you are and what background you come from or also what kind of experiences and type of work you've done in the past because I think sometimes you know we've all been there the, the weeks where you the to-do list is just you couldn't make it up it's you know there are things that come through that you never thought you'd be working on there are the hard ass the fun you know there's a there's a real kind of variety to it so it's not like this is this kind of predefined list that you would always go through and I think again it links to you know you can't convince yourself that Monday to Friday will look like this my client is going to want to do this this journalist is going to be interested in it just doesn't exist that way so I think that the sooner that you can start to kind of prepare yourself for that openness to change almost yeah. even even I'm heartened by that you know I'm looking at um, 11 or 12 years down the industry and um, what Matt was saying about having to do the work and not having this clarity I mean I started on the front desk um, answering the phones as essentially the office manager or the receptionist um, and making coffees and doing the media monitoring by scanning yes we used to do that we used to take the actual paper and scan <laughs> it and clip it and send it through to the clients uh, and it's only recently that I've started going right I actually want to be this when I grow up um, so it's taken all that time but I think definitely you need to go and taste all these different things to know um, what it is that you want it's almost it's almost like um, when uh, when you're buying a house or, or anything you, you you don't know what you want until you see what you don't want and then right. you decide on, on, <laughs> right. on that one um, I definitely want to continue down this conversation about skills and stuff, but um, as we do on Sideload, we're just going to take a very quick break and um, just have a quick listen to what we did last time, which was talking about uh, IFA 2017. I found that this year, quite a number of American brands that you would expect at a show like that, but who hadn't been there, are now present at Dell, 
Amazon, Alexa, IBM, just some of the brands that are realizing an event like IFA in that pre-holiday season, Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday, Christmas, New Year season is really, really important. You, you can't skip that. Uh, and one was a company that had Star Wars drones. They had TIE fighters oh. and uh, X-Wing fighters and they were shooting real lasers and they had sensors and when they were hit by a laser I think three times and they had to have a forced landing and had to, could only rise again after a minute's wait and you could like so, proper so battles. Could, Amazing. So you could do drone laser tag. Basically. You can do drone laser tag and That's I watched amazing. it and I thought Oh, that is very, very, very nice. I mean, it was very cool. Welcome back. We are here with Matt Hurst, Jed Just, and Imi Holbert talking about, you know, why would anyone want to go into tech comms and the trials and tribulations of that. One of the things that we uh, talk about quite a bit at the moment is skills and how that's changing with the likes of new technology, artificial intelligence, the machines are coming to get us. I welcome them, robot overlords, when you finally do come and, and listen back to this podcast. Um, but what is it that you think will need to be developed in terms of skills? And I guess this is a question for you, Matt, that people coming through the door today might not actually think about, hey, I'm going to have to learn how to talk to a machine, <laughs> things like that. You know, what, what kind of things do you think um, people need to start thinking about more than just you know, media relations or content? Yeah, I mean, that? that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I think uh, picking up from where um, the two just left off, which was, first of all, I think there's a kind of stance towards the world, which is a kind of openness to flex it and be open to change. Um, and I don't mean that in a superficial way, I mean that in quite a fundamental way. Um, my view is, um, in terms of the workplace, and I think this has served me quite well, is to keep most things provisional in your head. So rather than getting to a point where you think things are set and this is what it is, you are, you are always open to the idea that what you have achieved, what is before you, is provisional. It's going to move. It's going to shift. Um, and I think having a, a willingness to embrace that rather than fight against it is, first, is the first thing. It's like a mindset shift. I think then there's also a kind of, I think what clients are looking for are people that haven't just kind of like drunk from the Kool-Aid, whatever, whatever the phrase is, who just kind of blindly believe all is change. Um, I think it's in the nuances where the smarts are. So yes, I think the world is changing. Yes, I think you see whole categories of, of job changing. I can see skill sets shifting. But I think our job is to be in the client room to remind them of the millions of people for whom nothing has changed. And I think that's the power of, of the moment. So, you know, there are still huge societal challenges in the UK and abroad for which nothing, you know, nothing's touching it, nothing's moving that forward. Um, maybe I'm being a bit, too, you know, tell me if I'm being a bit too vague there. But so I think I think there's the point of tension for the, for the client. Again, helping them understand their place in the real world. These skills, these movements and the types of um, roles that are required, yes, within a service industry, yes, within marketing, I can see automation on the horizon, I can see um, AI on the horizon and how that will interrupt and transform what we do. But I think the smartest people in the room for the client are the ones who can remind everyone for whom nothing has moved forward. And what, what is that for them? Like, where are the gaps? Where can we really make a difference? You guys, what, what are you? What are you excited about, or what are you fearing? Um, I'm quite excited. Okay, I think, good. Um, excited's good. Going back to my historian hat, um, 
it's kind of another revolution, isn't it? It's like Industry 4 is what it gets called. And I think that, you know, people were, have been scared before when new technology and new machinery has come in to practice and jobs have been lost, but also jobs have been created and new and different kind of jobs. Um, so I think that's really exciting. I think going off what Matt just said, I think it will encourage more kind of this view of humanity and there'll be kind of I think that there'll be a kind of desire for these human interactions and kind of you know our job is to be the consultant to the client and I think that will still be really important and perhaps so more important to have that kind of human reaction based off what AI can do it can give you kind of a lot more information in a lot quicker time but how you utilize that information I think at this stage um, perhaps in the next 10-15 years those kind of human interactions of being the consultant or being the creative who uses that information are going to be really important skills that we will have to kind of make sure that we're continuing to emphasize. What, what about you, Joe? As a, fan, as a big fan of Black Mirror, and I'm, yeah. that, uh... I'm worried that I'm going to sound like the pessimist of the group now. Um, I think I've always been very aware that in the sort of like Anthropocene, as they call it, the kind of rate at which is everything is changing, and then it's kind of it gets up and we're a bit like, when is it going to be too fast? Is it already <laughs> too fast? And I think, as we were saying earlier about always needing to be the people that kind of know what's happening, where the kind of consumption habits are from consumers how they like to um, you know where kind of media consumption comes from or just what people are doing I think that's going to become a really kind of strange thing to kind of watch in the next I don't even want to put a number of years on it because it doesn't you know it doesn't seem too realistic I think there's going to be a lot of as we see more and more kind of like subcultures emerging that are grouped together through the internet I think it's going to be not so simple to kind of say this is my audience and this is who I want to reach out to so yes tools like AI might make that thing quite you know might make that challenge easier but at the same time I do have a sort of suspicion over the way that we do it in a kind of still meaningful way for clients and for consumers well, I thank you for using the word Anthropocene for the first time <laughs> in a sideload podcast and also proving something that I feared for a while, which is the people that are coming into the industry now are smarter than I am and using much bigger words. So appreciate that. So it sounds like we're, we've, we've covered a lot of ground, but the things to remember are to remain flexible, remain curious and hungry, keep um, keep learning all the time and, and to not really fear what's happening, but just have a kind of healthy respect for it. Um, but are there any final... Um, tips, pearls of wisdom, advice, things not to do, stories, anything like that that we want to, want to put out there before we before we close off? I think one of the things that I was thinking about just in the kind of run-up to today's session was obviously this topic was about how things have changed and I think for someone who'd always been really interested in technology since I was young, I think even what you think of when you hear the word technology has completely shifted since, I mean, for me it was, you know, the advent of the internet as like a four-year-old compared to now when it's what doesn't it include and I think there's a huge thing on that to whatever you do with it to for it to always be for the better I think there's a lot of the fear around oh, what could happen with AI what could happen with robotics that is fearful that it's for the use for the wrong reasons and I think tech for good is the is the thing that we all just need to keep in mind sure for sure I think that's a, uh, a nice, positive <laughs> place to end. So 
Look, thank you um, everyone, Matt, Jed and Imi for your time and thanks to everyone for listening. Please um, subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, uh, Edelman UK or SoundCloud or wherever you listen to us. And um, thanks everyone and um, please keep listening.